So the Olympics in Rio are over, but the attending drama with it, it continues to unfold in the media. We get that. Summer vacation and travel are quickly drawing to a close, and the start of the new school year for teachers and students is just around the corner. And so we're in this kind of strange in-between time that always leaves me feeling kind of out of sorts. Anybody else have that feeling? Just right now, it's a weird time. I feel this every year. So last uh, Monday night, uh, my wife and I went to our daughter's uh, field hockey game over here at uh, the field at Hayfield Secondary School. It felt like fall. It was just a beautiful evening to be out there, and as it got dark, it felt like you needed a sweater, a jacket out there. So we enjoyed this brief fall-like reprieve, and it was lovely while it lasted. And now we're back to summer-like weather with what I call the Triple H factor, right? Heat, haze, and humidity. That's what summer in Washington is all about. And in today's gospel lesson, Jesus teaches about a different kind of Triple H factor. It's not heat, haze, and humidity, but it's healing, humility, and hospitality that are before us. And that becomes the focus of today's message. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. First off, we are told about a miracle of healing that Jesus accomplished in the gospel lesson. And the setting for the gospel lesson is a dinner on the Sabbath day hosted by a ruler of the Pharisees. And we are told they were watching him closely. Do you like to be watched closely? I don't. I'm sure Jesus didn't care much for that either. So you got to wonder, was this uh, some kind of setup where it was a deliberate intent upon those who were hosting it to sort of trap Jesus? Well, we don't know that. Scripture is silent on that point. That detail is not made clear. But we do know that tension is mounting as Jesus more and more runs into conflict as he makes his way toward Jerusalem and what awaits him there, which is rejection by the Pharisees, by the elders, by the chief priests and the religious rulers, betrayal by one of his own disciples, arrest, torture, a brutal execution upon the cross, and ultimately resurrection. This is what is before Jesus. We're told that there was a man there at that Sabbath dinner with a medical condition, dropsy, as it's called. That's an old-fashioned term for edema, a buildup of fluid in the body that results in a painful swelling. That's what the man had there. 
And at least I wondered, I don't know about you, but I wondered too, so was this guy a plant there at the Sabbath dinner to see what Jesus would actually do? Was this a setup, part of it, so that would Jesus heal on the Sabbath or not? Again, Scripture is silent on that point, but that detail is not made clear. What is made clear is that Jesus recognized the need for healing in this man's life, even on the Sabbath. And recognizing that need, Jesus did something about it. As we well know, illness and disease do not respect special days on the calendar. Sabbath, Christmas, Easter, anniversaries, graduations, it happens. How many of you have spent special days in the hospital because of illness that you had or someone in your family, a loved one? It happens. And when it happens, what we desire most is that healing be forthcoming as soon as possible, no matter what day it is. And my friends, this is the gift which Jesus has come to bring. It's like we sing in that beloved Christmas carol. Hail, the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail, the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise each child of earth, born to give us second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Sabbath rest and worship is what God intended that day to be, but Along the way, it had been transformed into something else. It had become this heavy, onerous burden with all kinds of man-made rules and regulations about what was allowed, what was not allowed on the Sabbath. Truth is, we are still very prone to erect all kinds of man-made rules and regulations about faith today. But they can just as easily obscure that heaven-born Prince of Peace as pointing people to him. It comes down to the question which Jesus asked, is it lawful to heal, to do good on the Sabbath, or not? And Jesus, who is Lord of the Sabbath, has come to bring healing and wholeness, to bring life and salvation, not only to the body, but also to the sin-sick heart and spirit that is within all of us. And having done so by shedding his blood upon the cross, that we may have life in all of its abundance and fullness, Jesus now invites us to follow his own example and do good. 
as we have opportunity. Secondly, Jesus uses the setting of this Sabbath dinner to teach about humility. I note that there were not Lutherans at this Sabbath dinner recorded in Scripture because the people Jesus is talking about all scrambled up to get the front seats in the house. <laughs> Lutherans are not known for that, except maybe when your baby's getting baptized. Then you're up front, right? And so I just can't picture Lutherans elbowing their way to get up there to the front at the Sabbath dinner, but still, some folks did. And this becomes a teachable moment which Jesus uses. And his directive here mirrors what we heard in that Old Testament lesson in Proverbs, right? Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. It's better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. Jesus didn't just talk the talk in this regard. He walked the walk. As scripture tells us, he was in the form of God, but did not count equality with God something to be grasped, that is, exploited for personal benefit. He made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Now, I'm sure you have people in your life, I do in mine, whom I think embody what humility looks like. Yeah, they're there. But I think if we really want to get the truest definition of humility, we have to look outside of ourselves to the one who came and was obedient unto death in our behalf. We have to look outside ourselves and look to Jesus who did all of this for us. You see, Jesus is both our sacrifice for sin and he is our model of the godly life. So if he humbled himself, so must we. This does not mean we become a human doormat for people to wipe their feet on, but it does mean that we are willing to roll up our sleeves, engage, and do the work of serving, even as Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for us all. Finally, Jesus calls us to radical hospitality. He challenged the man who hosted that dinner, and by extension, all of us as well, to move beyond the tit-for-tat kind of hospitality where we can get caught up in inviting only people who will return the favor, who can help us make connections with folks who will somehow benefit us. Today's epistle lesson reminds us, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, 
for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. It is a very humbling thing to be on the receiving end of hospitality from a stranger, isn't it? In our hour of need, you ever had that happen? Where someone steps in and they extend help or hospitality, it's a lifesaver. It really is. Friends, Jesus calls us to a different kind of hospitality than the world defines it, one that is not rooted in tit-for-tat kind of extension, but one that is rooted in grateful thanks for the gift of healing which has redeemed and restored us in Jesus to a right relationship with our Heavenly Father, which blesses us in body, in mind, and in spirit. Jesus calls us to a different kind of hospitality, one that reflects humble joy in serving the needs of others, the stranger, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, people who are not in a position to return the favor. And in so doing, Jesus tells us, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Just outside the sanctuary doors, there is a display table that's been there over the summer with what we call party pails. So these are um, starter kits, if you will, for folks to host summer gatherings in whatever form that may take. And these party pails have gotten some use over the summer, but not as much as we'd like. And so we're going to relaunch them in the fall after Labor Day. Think of tailgate parties. Think of fall football. Think of fall festival kind of events. Be thinking about Jesus' words on hospitality and who it is that you will invite to your event. So that's the way it is on this 15th Sunday after Pentecost, the last Sunday in August, as summer winds down and we head toward Labor Day and the start of the fall season. It is about healing. It is about humility. It is about hospitality in and through Jesus. And now, having heard God's word, what is God now calling you to do? Take a moment to reflect on this. Chew on it in the week ahead. You see, we are called to be not only hearers of God's word, we are called to be doers of that word. So I ask you, Again, having heard God's word, what is God now calling you to do? May the Lord be glorified in our hearing and our doing, our living 
of his word for Jesus' sake. Amen.